0: Welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim.
1: And I am Steve, and I'm excited about this show. But before we go any further, Wait. I want to say something. Rain, rain, go away, come again another day.
0: Oh my gosh, it's been non-stop. Stop. Also, I would like to, I would like to say a couple of some things. First of all, it is Memorial Day weekend, uh and I would just like to take a moment to remember those people in our fair city who were affected by to- like some pretty extreme tornadoes a year ago. How many years-
1: we had twelve, 14 12 tornadoes. Like in, twelve
0: tornadoes
1: in our little area uh, yeah. of Ohio, right here. Two um, of them hit our town of Beaver Creek,
0: mm-hmm. and we kind of drove through one of a kind of ground zero for uh, where the tornadoes hit in our little town. Uh, and it's still it's it's still pretty the tree, rough. The
1: trees are still topped. It, There's houses that are still it's kind of barren.
0: Mm-hmm. Houses homes still without a roof a yeah. year later. Uh, so our thoughts are with those those folks that lost their homes. In um, good news, I don't, did we tell about Polly on the show? I don't remember. I don't think we did. Ahead. So when we moved uh, about three weeks ago, um, we, you know, obviously brought our, our pets with us. And uh, our one cat, Polly, who we've had since she was a kitten, uh, this is her second move with us? Third home third home. Uh and she was here for like a day or two and then she took off. She's an outdoor cat, so it's not a big deal. We figured out oh, she'll, you know, be back in a day or two. She's been gone for 3 weeks and we were I was very upset. Um it's I didn't realize how much it has been affecting me, but uh, she has a caller with her name and phone number on it and yesterday somebody called and said, "I think we have your cat and she's a very distinctive meow." Meow. Meow. And so, as soon as we walked into their driveway, she was in a box, like a cat carrier box. And you could hear her as soon as we walked up to the driveway, you could hear from the box, meow, meow. And I said, That's my Polly. She, so, after three weeks, I finally have my kitty home, which is very exciting. She had
1: made it halfway from where we live now to our old house. And she was, which
0: is no small feat, uh, it was pr- a couple miles.
1: Several miles, yeah. yeah.
0: So she's homeward bounding it. But uh, <laughs> but now she, I think, realizes that this is home and she <laughs> hasn't really left the garage.
1: And except for losing a little bit of weight. She doesn't look any yeah. worse for the wear.
0: She's been extra snuggly, which is yeah. kind of nice.
1: Yeah, but I mean, she's a mouser, so I mm-hmm. wasn't worried about her not eating. Yeah? So we're, we're glad Polly's home. Yeah. Okay. Hey, this show I'm excited about because we are going to travel back one of my most favorite places in the entire world.
0: I feel like we're introducing a John Prine song. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, back to Appalachia, in and specifically, I'm talking Eastern Kentucky. Now, Appalachia covers a good portion of the Appalachian Mountains the from, United from, from Georgia clear up to uh, Pennsylvania and New York. Mm-hmm. But the the little piece of Appalachia that I love is. Eastern Kentucky, and we're talking in Martin County, Floyd County, Johnson County.
0: Can we say Eastern Kentucky, Western West Virginia?
1: Yeah, well, I guess we can, That's but... It's
0: kind of right there on the Tug Ken- River. And-
1: Kentucky is more home to my family, though. That's true. Okay. But anyway, it's all right there. Kermit, West Virginia is just across the bridge, which my grandfather used to be a toll bridge there, and my grandfather uh, worked used to work at the toll booth... And I think it was like two cents a car or something like that, and he would collect toll going across the bridge from uh, from Warfield, Kentucky, over to Kermit, West Virginia.
0: We got to tell this. Can we tell the story about your mom? Have we told that story before? Which one? The story about how she her first school teaching job. Yeah, we did. We told that story. I think we did. If you want to hear this cool story about Steve's mom, go back and listen to all the other episodes because I forget which one it's in.
1: Yeah, we may tell it again later. But right now, look, this is a place that I love dearly. It's where my family comes from, from back in the 1700s, came across from Virginia, South Carolina, and settled in this part of eastern Kentucky, and they've been there ever since. It's a place of mountains, Mm -hmm. hollers, Mm -hmm. creeks, and rivers, small towns, and some very colorful people.
0: Moonshine.
1: Yeah, moonshine, <laughs> and just the people that come from there, there, there are so many stories of just, like I said, the colorful people that come from this part of the country. Now, we're, the part where we're talking about, I'm not talking about the bluegrass region of Kentucky. I, you know If you don't know, Kentucky's called the bluegrass state, but where my family's from in this part of Kentucky is referred to as the mountains. It's coal country. Mm-hmm. If you can remember, remember back to our Jenny Wiley story, our Jenny Wiley episode, we're talking about the same place of eastern Kentucky right there, around Prestonsburg, Inez, Kentucky, Paintsville, Kentucky. Uh, this is the area where the Hatfields and McCoys feuded, possibly over a pig.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, If you haven't seen the History Channel um, movie miniseries, I guess, uh, it's really good. You should check it out.
1: It's a place where an old man named Frank Miller lived. Now, I never knew Mr. Miller's name. I had to text my mom this afternoon Mm -hmm. to ask him, what was his name? And she texted me back. But I grew up as a small child. I only knew him as old-timer. Now, Timer was a very simple man. I'm guessing he had no formal education past a certain grade. If he went to school, I don't know. I, I don't know. He was just a very, very old man. You know, when I was growing up till five, six, seven years old when he passed away. Timer had a wooden leg and he loved to whittle. Now, you may not know what whittling is, but I remember him sitting on my grandmother's front porch with a stick of wood and his knife and he would whittle. What whittling is, is you take a piece of wood and you use your knife and you whittle or shave off little pieces of wood until the big piece of wood is no more. And that's what old Timer did. He he loved to just sit there and whittle, and as, right now, at my age, that is what I remember most of Old Timer, just sitting out there in the front porch and whittling but and talking.
0: you don't whittle, necessarily, just to, like, shave down a stick. You whittle
2: objects.
1: No. no. Old Timer would just... Old men back in Kentucky would whittle just to shave down sticks. Oh, really? Now, some, yeah. Now, some people I would always, carve yeah. things, but no, he didn't carve. He, he just whittled. He just Made little sticks out of big don't sticks. Don't we
0: have stuff that he made, though, that was, like, actual stuff that he carved? Like, don't we have a, that rattle that we have, that wooden rattle? Didn't he make that?
1: Yeah, he did that.
0: Which is really cool because it's a we have this really cool old wooden rattle. I think it's still packed up in a box, but if I can find it, I'll post a picture of it. Um, it is, like, it's got... It's completely made of wood. It's really lightweight, and it's got two wooden balls inside of basically. It's it's almost like a wooden cage kind of thing. Yeah, He whittled but those little all, balls
1: out inside the.
0: Yeah, they. He didn't like insert them. He whittled them in inside this larger box. It's really a neat piece of woodworking. Yeah, yeah
1: he would do stuff like that, but for the most part, he would just sit <laughs> there make it's like l- a fidget, little sticks <laughs> or big little, little sticks, sticks out, out of big, big sticks. sticks. Yeah. Yep. Now, during the twenties or thirties, Timer spent two years in the Kentucky State Penitentiary for stealing two chickens.
0: Seems a but little excessive.
1: He reformed. Later, he was elected to, um, to the to, as the coroner for Martin County, Kentucky. Of course, I, was. he was not a doctor, but he could look at a person and proclaim they were dead. And I forget. It, I forget <laughs> yep. how much per person he got paid, but you know he could walk up some. Yep, they're dead and. The county would pay him, and he would sign the death certificate, and that was what it took back in the 30s, I if guess. We,
0: if we have some extra time kind of at the end of the show, I would love to hear some other stories about just the different people in Martin County, kind of some of the characters that gr- you grew up with.
1: That that would be an entire episode all to itself.
0: I mean, if we have time. Yeah. If oh. not, maybe we can do a part two, and I can interview you about Martin County.
1: We could do that, but I I've, I've got a lot of friends back there that, Still live in Martin County.
0: We don't have to name names. Okay.
1: Well, right now we're going to let Kim educate us because today's episode is about. We'll go ahead.
0: Okay. So Steve was under the impression that today's episode is a, is about tall tales. I, having not listened to, so we we have some recordings of his.
1: I'll, inter- I'll introduce it.
0: Okay. Um, but we have some recordings and these recordings I have not heard so I'm not sure exactly what category they fall into but I did want to give a brief English lesson of tall tales versus folk tales now tall tales are a type of folk tale um, folk tales are usually from a particular geographic region or a culture and um, which tend to go kind of hand in hand. Usually, cultures are built around geographic regions, uh, and they can take the form of lots of different things. You have fairy tales, are a type of folktale. Myths are a type of folktale. Fables and tall tales. Now, the the thing about tall tales is they have a larger than life hero solving an over the top problem in a humorous or outrageous way. So the the I would say that you've got the larger than life hero part down. <laughs> But I don't know if the problems that we're going to be listening to are over the top. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to, li- we'll listen to it. And we'll, These are we'll tall tales. They're tall tales. So, um, by definition, those are those are tall tales. Larger than life hero, over the top problem, and oh, like a way outlandish, often humorous kind of way. Usually when we think of tall tales, we think of Western, um, like big sky country and, uh and that kind of that push west uh, to settle, um, kind of the new frontier. I think this, but is not good, necessarily. I
1: think this is a good point for me to mention, that at one point Kim wanted to go back to college and pick up a doctorate in folklore.
0: I it is a love of mine. This is folklore. Um, I I love people's stories. Uh, and, and so, and that's one of the things that I love most about our podcast. And when we get to do interviews, um, is I just, I just really like learning people's stories. Uh, and I, so folklore is right up there for me. I, it's just really neat to hear. I would rather read a, a, a biography than a fiction book. I think.
1: Now, I will say there are a lot of universities from back in this part of the country that have gone out and they've recorded mm-hmm. and archived a lot of these stories.
0: Yep. Uh, there and They're actually, you can get a doctorate in folklore. The closest one, Indiana University, has a doctorate in folklore program, but uh, that costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of time, neither one of which I have. So uh, so before we launch into um, kind of Steve's portion, I wanted to talk about some different Appalachian legends and folktales uh, and so I wanted to kind of get your take on some of these, and are these things that you heard growing up? Um, and did you hear them kind of in this way? So okay. her- I'm all ears. All right. So the first one, and I've heard, I've heard this. This is kind of an Ohio. Well, the legend of the reappearing cardinal. Do you know about this one, Cardinals? Tell me. Did you Did you ever hear anything about Cardinals growing up?
1: I've heard stories about Cardinals.
0: Okay. So the the story, the thing that I've always heard about Cardinals in um, you know, the Miami Valley region of Ohio is that cardinals are uh, loved ones coming to visit you. And whenever I see a male cardinal, um, we call them redbirds a lot. Whenever we.
1: The state bird of Ohio. It is the state bird of Ohio. And it's also the state bird of Kentucky. Oh.
0: Whenever I remember when I was a little girl, my grandpa always used to say, if you see a redbird and you make a wish before it flies away, then it, your wish will come true. And now, whenever I see um, a. Red cardinal, I was thinking my grandpa. But uh, so in Appalachia, the legend of the reappearing cardinal, ancient American, I can't talk, ancient Native American tradition, uh, they revered the cardinals as possessing great power and they were known as medicine animals. So their reappearing at someone's home or in a pathway was believed to signify a spiritual message was being sent, which kind of goes along with what we were taught here in this area that um, cardinals are the spirit of a loved one coming to visit you. It was believed that...
1: The stories I heard, that was something I can't remember, that if... uh, Something about a cardinal and death.
0: Well, uh, it's believed that if a cardinal crossed the path of a single person, that individual may soon enter a romantic relationship, and individuals already in a relationship could expect to experience renewed romance and courtship, and if one of the individuals had been unfaithful, the cardinal's appearing was meant to remind the viewers of the importance of being faithful. Now, we have a funny story about a cardinal. We do? We do. Um, we. <laughs>
1: I know what you're going to say.
0: <laughs> we were traveling with your mom one time, and... Oh, no,
1: don't go there. And
0: we saw two cardinals flying, and she... <laughs> one of them, we we hit one of them, and... She she was kind of cold hearted about it. We said, "Oh, Cardinals mate for life," and she goes, "Oh well," and just kind of brushed it off, which is really sad. Okay. <laughs> and she Cardinals. So Cardinals are kind of a symbol of love, I think. They and they do. They're they're monogamous birds, and they apparently mate for life. Uh, which is. Now, I, my
1: mom is not normally that cold hearted. <laughs> And there's more to that story than you're mentioning, but we're not going to go there.
0: Okay, we won't. Uh, Okay, so uh, Ezekiel 16.6, have you heard about the bleeding Bible verse? Is that something that you grew up with?
1: No, I've never heard this one.
0: Okay, so um, the Bible verse Ezekiel 16.6. So the Appalachian people have a really kind of a unique blend of Christianity and sort of I don't know a better term for it than like a witchy home medicine approach when it comes to matters of healing. Like they're very, um, I mean, we have talked about this last week, mm-hmm. like peeing in your ear and growing certain kinds of herbs and so on and so forth and like a holistic approach, a naturalistic approach to healing in addition to being very Bible believers. Um, and it should be noted that often in Appalachia, in Appalachian America, there is one Bible and it is the original King James not New King James, not NIV, not ESV, King James. King James only, period, end of story. So, um...
1: Okay, so we usually try not to stereotype here, but, uh...
0: <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. Okay. But go ahead. You know, just as well as I do, that a lot of the, the churches the, the, back the home...
1: Old, the old churches the are old very The old churches much are King very James.
0: King yes. James. Um, so... So to the average, Ezekiel, okay, so Ezekiel 16, 6 says, and when I passed by, this is King James Version, when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. So to the average reader, and. And most biblical scholars, I think, would agree. Ezekiel sixteen six is believed to be the words of God to the abominable people of Jerusalem in which he calls out the depravity of their sin, that they are polluted in their own blood, but he forgives them and says, live. And, and even though you're in your own blood, I say to you, live. However, for centuries in the hills of Appalachia, as well as in the Ozark Mountains, this one verse has been so much more. It's not even, it's not just a Bible verse, but it's viewed almost like a magical spell that's believed to stop hemorrhaging on animals and humans alike the moment it's recited out loud three times followed by the patient's name. So you recite Ezekiel sixteen six, three times, which is kind of a mouthful really, if you read it. And when I passed by the, saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live yea, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. So you repeat that verse three times and then the name of the person or animal that is bleeding. Um, and then according to commonly held superstition, once it's been recited three times and the person's name is mentioned, the blood is immediately stopped regardless of the person reciting the verse. And there are people who, um, this comes from, uh, I think it's Appalachia Magazine, um, and they interviewed people who, you know, now will say, yeah, I've, I've seen this work. So um, I don't I don't know if there's something to that, but you've never heard of that one before?
1: No, I've never heard that one.
0: I haven't either, but it's an Appalachian thing, and I'm not from Appalachia. So, uh, and then another one is dreams. There are a lot of um, superstitions regarding dreams. They have you heard any, any? Do you know any dream ones? Like, are there any dream superstitions? No, not
1: specifically, no.
0: Okay, supposedly you should never tell your dreams before breakfast. Um, according to Appalachian... I never
1: remember my dreams before <laughs> or after <laughs> breakfast.
0: According to Appalachian folklore, telling good... Dre- oh.
1: I oh I do dream in color.
0: I think I do too. Yeah. According to Appalachian folklore, telling good dreams prior to breakfast would forever prohibit the dream from being made a reality, while sharing one's nightmare prior to eating the first meal of the day would invite such evil into one's life. Now, I dreamt a lot of Polly while she was gone. And I never told anybody, and she made it home. So I don't know what that says, but um, and then snakes are a kind of a big deal in Appalachia, uh, and the reason for so when the British came over to kind of start uh, colonizing America and kind of struck out into the wilds of West Virginia and Kentucky and Pennsylvania, um, they they didn't have in in britain there's one venomous snake and, and that like naturally lives there and it's the adder and adders are kind of reclusive like they weren't really um they're kind of passive so they weren't really a big deal and then they come over here and they encounter all these different venomous snakes rattlesnakes and serpents and all these kind of things and of course uh you know there's the serpent in genesis who is uh the reason for the fall of man you know the serpent i mean well, that can be argued, but um, you know the serpent tempts Eve, and they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and um, and so serpents have a big a big deal to play in religious belief uh, and in folklore in Appalachia. So they say if you dream of snakes, have you heard of something with this one? Nope. If you dream about snakes, if you dream about snakes, either someone is out to get you, or they're telling lies about you. Um, or there's somebody in your kind of your inner circle that is not to be trusted.
1: I've never heard this one before. If you
0: dream of a snake. No.
1: But I'm not afraid of snakes. If I were out walking...
0: Well, that's good because we own one.
1: Well, yeah. It's right there.
0: She's, she's more like a giant worm, though. She's not really snake-like.
1: Yeah. Hey, you know, now this is getting off tall tales, but just as a side note here, there are still churches, still churches, there are churches in... Kentucky, West Virginia, Tennessee, that practice snake handling. It is illegal. Mm-hmm. Now, again, this has nothing to do with tall tales. It's just trivia right here. Yeah, but it, they get this from Mark, um, Mark 16 verses 17, 18, which tells them to pick up, pick up a serpent or pick up snakes. Yeah, but there's also verse in the Bible says. Don't test God. God. So that, that's just a, a side note right there. It has nothing to do with um, but they did have a TV show about that. It was uh, I really think it interesting was, to watch.
0: Was it was it a whole was it an issue or an episode of Taboo or was it like a whole show? No, it was I a whole remember. show. Yeah, and it was and the guy died, I think. Like they after that show went off the air, the guy got bit by a snake and died. Um, and a lot of times I think that those snake handlers, it's the, the preacher usually is who does it. And I think a lot of the times it's kind of, it's
1: the congregation, it's
0: kind of passed down from father to son as like a, like a way of preserving heritage, I guess maybe, or like as a thing that you do. So, um, I don't know. I've always thought it was really interesting, but I'm, I'm more in the let's not tempt God camp on that one. Also because it's illegal. So that's, it. that's a good reason to not do it.
1: Okay. Again, that has nothing to do with tall tales. But some other tall tales that are out there, when I'm, when I'm talking about tall tales, you might think of Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Mm-hmm. Remember? You
0: know, oh, we had a big discussion about that, if Babe was male or female. Remember that? Yeah. I think we finally determined that but she was female. Did you
1: know that the Grand Canyon was dug by Paul Bunyan and he was tired and sad and oh. he was dragging his axe?
0: Of course, I knew that.
1: That's how. That's how.
0: I'm the one that wants to get a doctorate in folklore. Remember
1: why? Why is Babe Blue?
0: (laughs) I used to know this, and I forget.
1: You wanted to get a doctorate. I know, but I. Because Paul Bunyan found Babe as a baby, baby, yeah, out there in Minnesota, and Babe was almost frozen to death, and Babe was cold and blue, blue, and and she never turned back to he or she. She.
0: It was a Babe is a female.
1: Babe never. Got his or her color back. Her. And babe stayed blue. John Henry.
0: He was a steel driving man.
1: Yep. From back, I think this was uh, West Virginia too. I think so. Yeah. What about Pecos Bill?
0: Uh, you mean that cowboy who rode a tornado?
1: You know him. I do know him. Davy Crockett.
0: King of the wild frontier. Killed his first. Bear, when he was only
1: killed three. Killed a sort bar when he was only three. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's an example of, well, a lot of these guys, real people, but the legend. Who? Drew- B- Davy
0: Crockett? Yeah. David
1: yeah.
0: Crockett. Yeah. He had a TV show even.
1: Yeah, he did. In a movie, a Disney movie.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Davy Crockett. How about uh, Casey Jones?
0: Uh, Casey Jones, I'm not familiar with.
1: Casey Jones, legendary train engineer, that liked to drive his trains very, very fast.
0: Oh, no, Unfortunately not, for him,
1: he had a crash with another locomotive and he lost his life about 1900, but it's the stuff that legends are made out of. Hmm. What do you know about Johnny Appleseed?
0: Uh, you mean my dude, John Chapman, who went around planting apple trees all over Pennsylvania, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Ontario, Canada. That Johnny Appleseed.
1: That Johnny Appleseed. Where's he from? He
0: he was actually born in Massachusetts. Yeah, now, which I a lot of people don't know. I don't think.
1: Now I remember, as a small kid, people. Now I don't know if this is tall tale, legend, or myth, but I remember people claiming that they had apple trees that had been planted by Johnny Appleseed.
0: I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't know how you would ever verify that, but.
1: Grandpa told me yeah, Johnny to Appleseed planted that tree.
0: Sure. I yeah. mean it's po- it's absolutely possible. Yeah.
1: Now, as a special treat tonight, we're going to hear two authentic tall tales as told by a gentleman not born in the last century but born in the century before that. This yeah. guy's name is William Spears. He was born on April ele- April 11th, 1888. Now, we think well, we know april 11, we know he was born in eighteen eighty eight but April eleventh is just the best guess is when they think he was born. He really didn't know
0: and how do we know william spears is he is he like another the, Johnny Appleseed?
1: No, because I grew up. we called him Pappy Spears. He was my great grandfather my Ooh. my mom's grandfather. We used to visit him. we would go back to Kentucky and we'd visit him. And my great-grandmother, whose name was Melvina, when I was a child back in uh, Martin County, he would tell us stories, and we would listen. The stories got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, we knew these stories, and this will come important a little bit later in the story here, in the podcast, but you knew if the story was true or if it was a tall tale because you'd watch my great-grandmother. She would just sit there and listen. She was a very quiet woman. And as he would tell his tall tales, if it was no truth to it, she would shake her head left and right. But if there was a little bit of truth into the story, she would nod her head up and down to um, affirm- kind of verify? Yeah, to verify the story. So
0: what happened more often than not? Was there one that was more, like, did she more often say yes or more often say no?
1: I know what, I, I can't remember. Mm. I was five, six, seven, eight years old when all this was going on, but- uh, I do remember Pappy Spears would smoke a pipe, and it seems like you know he had that print out Prince Albert in the can.
0: You better let him out.
1: Yeah <laughs> And it would he, he would talk so much that he was constantly striking matches to keep his pipe lit. It seems like he would go through an entire box of matches just to keep his his pipe lit. Now, Pappy worked a lot of different jobs in his lifetime. He used to log. And I guess he probably at some point in his life, he would, he mined some coal, but he was probably most famous for what we remember most about him. He liked to trade horses. Later on in life, he did get a job with a gas company where he stayed with him long enough to earn a pension from the gas company. But I remember as we would drive back to Kentucky to visit my grandparents, and I remember seeing him sitting out on the courthouse wall as we drive through Inez, Kentucky, and he'd be out there trading knives and trading watches. And I remember my dad telling me one time that my dad got a watch off. He bought a watch off of him. And when he got home, the watch didn't work. So my my, my dad went back, found him. I mean, we knew where he lived and said, you know, hey. It's not a big place. Watch doesn't work. And Pappy gave him his money back. And there might be more to that story, but I don't remember. (laughs) But um, my mom, back when she was working on her master's at the Ohio State University, mm-hmm. she uh, she did a class in, uh, in this. She took a class in uh, folklore. And at the time, she recorded on a cassette recorder Pappy Spears telling a couple tall tales. At some point, someone had the forethought to go through and record them onto a CD because now that the the, the cassette tape wouldn't be any good. We wouldn't be yeah. to really play it. Yeah. But someone did copy it over to a CD, and as we were moving, I found the CD. Now, Kim and I had been talking about doing a story. They're doing an episode on folklore and mm-hmm. tall tales and stuff like this, and we said this is just the perfect opportunity to uh, to use this because here we have you know a guy that was born in 1888. yeah telling these stories these tall tales and so we
0: Now you may uh, I do want to put a little bit out there that um we may need to do a little bit of translation uh, remember this is eastern kentucky the accent pappy's accent is is pretty thick um and especially if you are listening and if you're one of our friends listening overseas um, or if, if you know, English is not your first language or if American English is not your primary dialect, uh, you may have a little bit hard time understanding. So we'll we'll translate a little bit for you if, if we need to.
1: And remember, this was copied, first recorded on a cassette tape back probably 1971, Sound quality is not bad. No, it's not. And then we've, I've it was copied to a CD, and now I've yeah, it's like a copy
0: I've, of a copy of a copy.
1: Yeah, and so I've now recorded it's now on digits, and hopefully be preserved on the cloud somewhere for a long time. So as we listen to these stories, you're going to hear dialect. You're mm-hmm. going to hear a lot of uh, colloquialisms. Is that mm-hmm. right, Kim? Yes, Is that the right the, word? Yeah, that's the word. But the first story, I'm going to call Bears, Wolves, and Alley Cats.
2: Working in Florida County was pretty scarce. I heard of a job out west, and I tied up on a few clothes and then I went out there, and a the fellow hired me. I kept saying, what are we going to do every morning? Well, he said, uh, it's raining a little bit. He said, I'll have a job in a few days. He went and got a big, high-powered gun. All his is six inches long, filled a fork full of them, rigged up a pair of horses and a big sled. slade. And we took out. I said, hold on. He said, there's animals of all kinds in these woods. And them horses run to a place. There's two trees pretty close together. And he took two by sixes and made a, a big place, shed over. And you could uh, lay down to sleep and sit up there. And he put up a ladder. I said, take this bag of shells and this high-fired gun. And he said, I'll be back to see you in the morning. And he tucked on that sled. we hear them animals hollering miles and miles. That road cut out of bears and that. Uh, that was kind of a wild animal. He said, don't, and he jerked the ladder down before he left. Now I was up in that little hut. i hear hear them animals, they smoked me something. i said, put it before dark. I'd hear them screaming and hollering. and coming right on. He said, kill everything. I killed everything. It was just laying piled up around there. Deers and bears and wolves, mouthy cats. Now I don't know as off as Pyle ever was. Well, just a little after daylight, they just stacked up on my uh, where I'd killed all that stuff that night. And uh, here he come, running them horses. Put the ladder up, and, and I run down the ladder, and we piled all that stuff that the hide is worth anything on that sled and bound them on with a rope and a pole. He said, get on now. He said, you hold the gun and hold tight. We started running them horses, and before we got back through them woods, them animals are all kind was after us just flying and them horses are running fast with all these stuff that i killed bound on there with a chain and pole. And he said, you're getting close. he said, jump out. I said, shoot this one of them horses in the face. I said, kill it. We jerk the harness off of him and throw it on the on the sleigh. And the other horse will take us to the barn. I said, while they were eating this horse, I said, the other horse was been trained to I said, he'll take us to the barn. I jumped, he stopped, and I ran around and shot that horse in the barn and we stuck the horse off and put it back on the sleigh, and right back on that, we held tight, and the horse run right in the barn shed, and they'd eat that horse, the game, the hungry animals was after us. We killed that horse to save ourselves, and uh, that one horse stuck us all into the barn, and, and they'd eat that horse, and we'd had a half a mile further to win Ed got us all, but had no place to head, but which closed the doors. When that horse run in the shed, we closed the doors. And they stood around there and howled all, all kind of animals. I talk about a boy being scared. I wasn't hardly going, but I, I done the job just to suit that old man. He Edward got out of there, he said, I wouldn't take a million dollars for you. He said, You're gonna stay the rest of your life for me. I said, Not me when they go over this here, I'm leaving here.
1: Well, there you have it.
0: <laughs> not not me. I'm leaving here. You're, I Bears, loved, wolves,
1: deers, I and alley cats. I would
0: have loved your Pappy. I would have loved to have met him and just sat there and talked with him and listened to these stories. So uh, for so those that the, had a hard time. What were the things time, that you noticed? Well, for those of you who had a hard time understanding, basically uh, Pappy was uh, given a gun. He was hired by a man, told to basically climb into what sounds like a deer blind uh deer stand yeah. yeah, just just go up into the into like this tree and just shoot anything that came near the tree, and it's which, a b- big old gun.
1: Bears, <laughs> wolves, bears, wolves, deers, and alleycats. alley cats, and wolf, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh,
0: and the guy took the ladder and the, and papped him up in the tree left by him up in the all by himself all night long. Yep, and he was a young man. Not hardly grown, and, and he, you know, he just kept shooting at stuff, and it just, and the shotgun shells were, what, six inches long?
1: Six, six inches long. Six
0: inches long, and he just shot at anything that came near the tree, and they started to pile up on the base of the tree, and he came back the next morning and let Pappy come down, and they piled everything up on the sled with two horses, and they took off while some other wild animals started following them, and... You know, they were going to get him, and so the guy told Pappy, jump off the sled and shoot this horse in the face, and we'll let the animals eat it while we escape to save As they and lit out. As they yeah. lit out, and so that's what they did, and they lit off into the barn. and the Because the horse was trained. Yep, and so the other animals stopped and ate the dead horse that they had to shoot to save themselves, and the guy at the end said... Uh, you Know you're worth, I would take you over a million dollars. I'm gonna hire you for life. And Pappy said, No, thank you. I'm out of here. Oh,
1: those are buddy. Okay,
0: <laughs> it's, it's a pretty crazy story. Okay,
1: now does that meet your definition of a tall tale?
0: I, uh, yeah, I'd say that was, I'd say that's a tall tale. Okay, yeah, so those are some pretty insurm- <laughs> insurmountable odds. I wonder how many bears and wolves. <laughs> <laughs> he killed, <laughs> By,
1: but it took him probably two packs of matches to keep his pipe lit. Telling that story, I love it. Okay, so okay. we have one more Pappy Spears story that we're going to play, and I'm calling this one "Drinking and Bigfoot."
2: Well, I'll tell you what happened. I'd been married a while, and uh, I went to the store. We run out of two things we needed. I went to the store and got taking two drinks around there to store. A bunch of us, take us a little nip now and then. We got pretty full, That's way in the night. I said, boy, I've got to leave here. I got my horse, big fine horse, and started home. And I spent a little dab of money there for liquor and had nothing to get horses with. And I lit out and I had about two miles to go through a woodland, just a little old dry road cut out. Just got in under that temper, hit a dark. Something fell, just jumped off in the bank right on the straddle behind me and popped them big, hairy arms around me just to squeeze me and that horse just stopped going fast just walked it and I'd spray him kick him and knock and holler for help and I had about two miles to go till it got through this timber that horse just could budge with us and when it got to the edge of that and that thing squeezed me up there and I'd feel all these big fingernails just all around me there and feel back here what it could he had his arm over old arm and feel his big hairy legs and uh me spurring that horse all to pieces. Just guess we got to the age where the timber was cleared, open, it left little me and sprung way over on another bank and hollered right big. And that horse liked to jump from under me. And uh, I couldn't shake him up until he almost got home. And uh, I can And uh, I just lied my horse to death while well, I he played along like that. but. Next morning, I said, Lord, I'm glad to go see my horse. chased him out He he wasn't hurt a bit on the way. I'd spread him there, and he couldn't get him out of a wolf. That thing screamed and hollered Edward. I, Edward he jumped off from behind me until I got plumb come on up and went over that hill. I could hear him, a holler. Where are you? Where are you? I said, buddy, I never did answer back. I I was missing to home. And I never would get out the moor for... 20 years of a night when dark come, I just take up and stay all night. I wouldn't go home.
0: So Pappy went out into town and got a little nip, a little something to drink, and it was getting dark. And so he got on his horse and he went riding, and he had to go through a wood. And as he's getting through the woods, some jumped off the bank and wrapped his big old hairy arms and his big old hairy legs around him. Dug With them, his fingernails. Dug them big old fingernails in. And he it was so
1: big, even the horse couldn't move. Oh, yeah.
0: And, uh, and he was just kicking the horse, thought he did damage to it. And they, they, you know, they, the horse was kind of moving and then they finally got to the edge of the woods and the horse, you know, they managed to kick Bigfoot off and, he was hollering, where are you? Where are you? And Big, Bigfoot, Bigfoot was. was. <laughs> and so Pappy and his horse ran well, off they into the barn. And the next morning he went to check on his horse because he was sure he'd hurt him from all that hard kicking and he was just fine. And but now Pappy Spears, after that, he said he wouldn't go out after dark. He wouldn't travel after dark. He'd just hunker down where he was.
1: Okay. So does that meet your definition I, of a tall tale?
0: <laughs> I don't know what that was.
1: Now As within a lot of stories, there is truth into some of these stories. Now, I don't know about Bigfoot jumping on him or anything like that, but I do know what is interesting about this story is is that he never did like to travel after dark anymore, and that is true. Um, So there's a little bit of truth to this story. He did, in fact, uh, spend the night one night with Devil Ants Hatfield of the Hatfields and McCoys. Now, do
0: you believe that, or is that just another one of his stories? No, no, and
1: and I'll tell you why. Okay. So the story goes that he had business over in West Virginia where the Hatfields were. The McCoys were from Kentucky. The Hatfields were from West Virginia. And he was finished up with his business, and he was working his way home on his horse, and it got dark. So he stopped at a house and asked if he could spend the night not knowing who he was asking and uh, they, they let him in the house, and it turned out it was Devil Lance Hatfield of Hatfield's and McCoy's. He said that he was scared to death, but that he was treated like a king in there. Said they were very friendly to him. They No, fed
0: him. no we need to say Devil Lance had a reputation, right? Yeah. Like, they called him Devil Lance for a reason. He was known as kind of a mean man, wasn't he? Like, wasn't that his reputation? I guess if you were
1: the McCoy's.
0: But, I mean, then why would Pappy be scared of him?
1: Because he was afraid... Of the feud that was going on.
0: Oh, okay. So he wasn't necessarily he wasn't afraid, afraid of, devil of them. He, he was, was afraid, just afraid of what, of the what was going something. on. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: But he said they were very friendly to him. They put him up. They put his, uh, they sent one of the boys out to take care of his horse, to curry his horse down, feed his horse, put it up in the barn for the night, and give it food and all that. And you ask, how do we know this story is true? Yeah. Because we look. If you would look over at my great grandmother, her who never said a word, but she would nod her head up and down to verify affirm that, that they happened? affirm that the uh, story was true
0: so you're trusting you're trusting your grandmother great-grandmother melvina that this is a true story that he wouldn't he wouldn't have like lied to her to just like you know he came home late and made up something some crazy story to tell to her and she's like yeah that's what he told me
1: i don't think so because she was able to sort out truth from fiction and this one she I I she
0: would, would imagine that, that would be I can't imagine being married to somebody like that. What was your grandmother like? Your great-grandmother?
1: Quiet. She would just sit there and just nod her head up and down, twist her head left and right. I remember spending the night at their house.
0: It seems like they're such it it seems like such an odd pair to me. Like you're you're over the top great-grandfather who has these wild stories and you're just quiet meek grandmother who
1: that was just.
0: The yeah, way it oh, was. I know. Just I normal. just, oh, I would love to meet. See, this is the stuff that I absolutely love. I would have loved to have met them. So
1: these are tall tales from Eastern Kentucky. But as we discussed, tall tales come from different regions of the United States. Oh, sure. And they come from different parts of the world. I mean, we've heard stories of um, tall tales coming out of Africa.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you go back and listen uh, this past October to our Spooky October Urban Legends series story, we talk about big cats from England that don't belong there.
1: Yeah, and with this, there are just so many characters from this part of Eastern Kentucky. We could go on and on and on.
0: Oh yeah, and, and, we actually and have. And I just like a know whole whole book from somewhere. my family. Oh of, yeah.
1: Of, stories that we could tell. I mean, back then, I think we mentioned at one point that my great grandfather on my dad's side, there were there were enough boys, they had their own baseball team.
0: We never told your story about Dan Harmon, I don't think. Have we told the story about Dan Harmon and how he lost his arm? No. That would be a good so story my, to my tell.
1: Grandfather, I you know we may have, but I'll re-mention it right here. He uh, lost his arm. This is a hardcore story. He was out working around the railroad, and it was February, and icy and slick, and he slipped, fell down the bank. His arm went across the railroad track. Train came by, cut his arm off. I guess that was enough to bring him to. Picked up <laughs> his arm.
0: That'll do it.
1: Walked back to town where they put him on a handcart. and if you don't know what a handcart was, that's... One where there's two people will...
0: Is like that a, like what you see in the cartoons when yeah, they're where, yeah, yeah, there's like on the
1: railroad? Like a teeter-totter and you pump that thing yeah. up and down and they drove him on that handcart on the railroad track from Inez, Kentucky or Wolf Creek, Kentucky down to um, Louisa, Kentucky.
0: And that's how far?
1: Probably by the railroad track, 25 miles miles maybe 30 Whoa, 30 miles wow. or something like that they couldn't save his arm but that never slowed him down after that he could still shoot he could still hunt he ended up he was jailer for martin county kentucky oh, yeah, we, we talked about that we how talked your dad about was story last week, yeah and four of his brothers and sisters yeah um ne- never slowed him down he learned how to tie his shoe with one hand and it just it, it never slowed him
0: down it was some hardcore people
1: they were tough back in the day. they
0: were really tough. I wish and I've always like w- my family doesn't have good stories like that. We have um I mean we the little bit that we do have from genealogy research and stuff a lot of my family uh, on my my mom's mom's side um, as far as we know they were really the women were tough. And the men were preachers. So the men would go out and kind of proselytize and, uh, like, go out in the woods and, and preach and try to convert the native tribes and stuff. And the women would be the ones that stayed at home at the farmhouse with a gun and kind of defended the the family farm and the family home. But we don't have, I don't know, a lot of stories and stuff like that that we really have.
1: Well, I do remember one story about my grandmother, my dad's mom, that they were young, they were just married. Now, keep in mind, back in back in the day, she was married at 14 years old.
0: It's very young. Yeah.
1: And I remember her telling one story that my grandfather was jailer and they were working. She was milking a cow or something like that. And two men came up and asked where's where's Dan Harmon? And she said he's he's up at the barn and not knowing Right. what these two guys were up to and they started walking up to the barn and they pulled out their um, pulled out their sidearms or their rifles that they had tucked up under their coat and basically they had she started yelling and screaming you know to warn my grandfather and right. they had a little shootout right there and I oh don't know gosh. what happened to it but this is just the way it was back in the 1920s
0: Yeah it's crazy and it's not even that long ago No
1: well, a hundred years ago.
0: Yeah, but that's a hundred years is really not that long. I mean, there's still people that are still alive that were alive when this stuff happened. Yeah. And your granny, your mom's mom, was quite a character too. I don't know that we have time to get into any no, granny like stories. No, like I said, we but, need
1: to do just an entire episode. Yeah, on- she was a
0: firecracker. I remember. I remember. Um, I didn't know your granny before she she got sick. She ended up. Uh, she had Alzheimer's and dementia, um, and I didn't know her before she got. You know, I knew her before she got too bad. But uh, we—I remember—we'd go visit her in the nursing home, and she'd always want to know when. When you, she, her first question was, "Now, are you taking her dancing? Now, do you take her dancing? You need to make sure you take her out and take her dancing."
1: Granny used to drive a big red coupe, DeVille, Cadillac. I believe it. And she would drive eighty-five, ninety miles an hour. State police would pull her over, <laughs> but she knew everyone because she used to run. The restaurant, which it was just the place to hang out during the week, The uh, in the morning, all the, the people going to work, like for the gas company, the coal mines, whatever, they would stop in there, they would get their breakfast, and then in the evening, that was the place to go on Friday, Saturday night, it was the place where all the teenagers hung out, mm-hmm. and so the, the state police, and the, back in that part of Kentucky, there was only one state policeman or two state policemen in the county and she knew them all
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so they would pull her over but <laughs> none of them were brave enough to give granny a I, believe, I yeah, believe it. Your
0: granny was a firecracker.
1: Oh yeah. It, lots, lots of stories. So families are out there. There's <laughs> lots of history. Send us your stories. Oh my on goodness.
0: This. Like I said, I love this kind of stuff. So you can find us. Uh, we have a little bit of a shorter episode today. That's all right. Um, you can find us at an hour of your life um, on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to write to us, send us some emails of your family stories, we'd be glad to share them. Uh, it's a lost hour at gmail.com, which is also where you can find us on Twitter, is a lost hour.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this type of stuff is interesting. It's an important part of history and culture. It needs documented, Absolutely. it needs recorded. Mm-hmm. So, go make up your own tall tales. Tell your kids stories. It's not going to hurt them.
0: Yes. No.
1: They will know the difference between a tall tale and what's not a tall tale.
0: Or they'll figure, well, it's, we do that. Like we told the kids that Polly killed a bear. She has a notch on her ear. I And Steve sometimes shakes his head at me, but uh, this is one of the things I love to do. Um, Polly, we got her from the pound and she's a little tiny cat. She's real thin and, and just a tiny little petite kitty. And uh, she has a notch in her ear from where she was spayed at the pound and- uh, one day, our oldest, Kellen, asked me why she has that was notch. Was it Kellen or Hadley? You know, I, think it, I think it was Kellen. And then she told Hadley the story that I told her. Uh, Kellen asked me why she had that notch in her ear, and I just straight-faced told her that Polly got it in a in a fight with a bear. Okay. And that Polly and won the
1: fight. you know the why the with... bear has no tail? <laughs> because it froze in it the creek. It froze it off. And yeah. then
0: Polly did her damage to the rest of the bear. And, and Kellen, you know... And it gets passed down, you know, even from not even one generation necessarily to the next. But then her little sister one day asked about it, and Kellen said, oh, well, Polly fought a bear, and and she won. And that's the only scratch that she got from the bear was the bear took a chunk out of her ear.
1: Yeah. So, like we said, go make up your own tall tale. Better yet, if you have a grandparent or a great-grandparent, and some people may be fortunate enough to have a great-great-grandparent that's still alive— yeah. Think of the history, think of the knowledge that these people are carrying oh, with them.
0: Absolutely. I go used to ask, love sitting by my grandpa and listening to him tell stories.
1: Go ask them to tell stories, record, document those stories and preserve them because I'm I'm telling you they will be meaningful to you absolutely. later on in life.
0: And they For you even, to pass
1: on to your kids and your grandkids one day.
0: Yeah, they don't even necessarily have to be tall tales. I remember the first time my grandpa told me about when they had an ice box and I was just my little 10-year-old mind was blown at the idea that you didn't have a refrigerator and you had some guy come and bring you a block of ice to keep in your wood chest to keep your stuff cold. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be a tall tale. Just go talk to somebody older.
1: All right. Well, Kim, here we are. We are... Doing our best to fill some time. I know. To try to get I, to do, an hour.
0: I do. I do want to say one thing though. Uh, with Memorial Day tomorrow, um, we would like to honor our friends at the Summit Project. Um, they usually do their biggest hike of the year uh, this weekend for Memorial Day. It's usually a three-day event. They're unable to do so this weekend or this year because of COVID. Um, but I would, I would really suggest to you that if you are able. Uh, go research. You can go to um, the Summit Project website and learn about some fallen heroes uh, and and just do some research on your own and learn about some of the men and women who gave their lives for you to enjoy your freedoms.
1: Pretty flat here in Ohio, but Kim and I will be taking we, a hike tomorrow. Mm-hmm,
0: in honor of Sergeant uh, Blair Emery, who uh, we kind of have a personal connection with. Um, Blair served... Uh, Blair was from Maine, but he was, served with a friend of mine, so we will be honoring him tomorrow.
1: And I will be honoring Benjamin Albert Deemers, And so we'll do that even though we're in Ohio. We're keeping our, our friends up in Maine and our memories. And remember, folks, tomorrow is Memorial Day. Take a moment to think about what it's all about.
0: Absolutely. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we hope that you, you know, even though it is a little bit of shorter Shorter week, but that's all right. You got a special treat this week.
1: All right. (laughs) So here we go. From our studios in Sugar Creek, Ohio.
0: Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Sources this week include Appalachian Magazine, William Spears, Verancia Harmon, and Billy Joe Stapleton.